0: Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts and I'm your Bible teacher today as we come to Hebrews chapter 6 verses 7 to 8. These are intriguing scriptures and I cannot tell you how much I have enjoyed studying and not only teaching but applying these scriptures to my own life in my own thinking in my own praying. In the scriptures today we're going to see A field that the Bible compares our lives to this land that it receives the rain and I'm going to explain what the rain is it might surprise you to know what the rain is but two different outcomes one it produces fruit it produces a crop there's actually life giving produce the other only thorns and thistles Well, we're gonna explain why the author of Hebrews makes this comparison and how it relates directly to our lives today. I'm glad you're with me on this episode of Awakened to Grace. Well, say amen if you're with me today. Let's look at verse number seven, if you will. For the land that drunk the rain that fall that often falls on it. if you're going to take notes today, we're going to break this down phrase for phrase. The first word that I want you to note is the word for. I love that word for because you have to understand that the original the original manuscripts of the Bible were not broken into chapter and verse. That came centuries later. And so even though this is a brand new verse, it is still connecting the thoughts together. And the word for connects everything that the author has already told us. And what we have learned thus far in chapter 6, you remember we did great pains to pull out every, prof- uh, every pronoun thus far through Hebrews. And we did that in the beginning of chapter 6 when he said, let us move on to what? Spiritual maturity. Let us press ahead. Let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and press on towards spiritual maturity. And then he listed what was the foundation of Judaism. And I'm not going to recap all of this. You can go back and Listen on the Awakened to Grace app at your convenience, but remember he laid out six things within Judaism. He laid out repentance of dead works, faith toward God. Oh, come on, Chad. Help me out now. Yes, washings, baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection from the dead, and eternal judgment. Those six things Things of Judaism, in other words, religion, that's how you can interpret that. How many of you know religion will not save anyone? You can be here today and you could have grown up extremely religious. You could have been here today and had no religious background and all of a sudden, quote unquote, found religion. And you could fill in the blank with anything. You could fill it in with Judaism. You could fill it in with Catholicism. Protestantism. You could today grown up Lutheran or Episcopalian or Methodist or Baptist or Pentecostal or fill in the blank with a thousand of the things and none of it will be able to save you. Six is the number of man. Isn't that interesting that the Holy Spirit lists six items? And so he goes on and he explains in verses 4, 5, and 6, which we saw last week, that there are some people who believe that they are born again. But what we argued last week is some people can have religious experiences. Some people can share in these things as in the heavenly gift and the Holy Spirit and tasting the goodness of God's word. And he names five things that we covered last week. But yet this text says nothing of those who were born again, washed by the blood of the lamb, justified. And remember the difference in the pronouns. He went from us to those and they. And now in verse nine, which I can't wait to get to next week. Because I am going to give you the most rock-solid assurance of salvation with verses 9 on through the rest of the text. But see, one cannot gain complete assurance of salvation. You cannot take hold of that and lock into that if you don't understand the opposite. One must do the test to make sure they're truly born again. And then once you truly examine your life, remember what we called last Sunday, faulty faith. faith. And once you've inspected your life and once you make sure that your faith is not fake and it's not just religion and you can make sure that you're truly born again, oh, the assurance that can truly come to a soul Oh, I can't. I'm telling you, as we move through the month of October, it is going to be like unlocking a treasure chest. And that's what we're going to find in Hebrews chapter 6. Absolute treasure out of the word of God, and I cannot wait. But for today, there is one more set of examinations that we must do. See, verses 7 and 8 are so closely linked to verses 4, 5, and 6. And I want you to understand that what the author of Hebrews is doing, what the Holy Spirit is doing, is he is drawing a sharp contrast between those who are religious and those who are born again, those who are truly saved. So watch what he says, verse number 7. For, there's our transition word. Remember, there are two classes of people. Those religious, those born again. For the land which drunk the rain. Can you get that image in your mind? The land that just soaks in the rain. I love that imagery. Which so often, or that so often falls on it, produces a crop. Some translation says vegetation. That's a great word for that. Think vegetation. Produce. This is the only time in the New Testament this word is used right here, this specific Greek word. The rain that falls on the land, it produces a crop to those for whom it was cultivated And it receives a blessing from God. Verse number eight. But that which bears thorns and thistles is worthless. Now that's an interesting word. And I'm going to explain that word. It's worthless or another, some translations use the word rejected there. It is near to being cursed and its end is to be burned. So as we've done thus far in chapter 6, if you're a note taker this morning, I want you to draw our column. I've had you do some columns in your notes this, <laughs> this uh, chapter. Well, here's another column. I want you to draw a column today, and I want you to note some contrast here. So again, in the same line of thinking of verses 1 through 6, you must understand The Holy Spirit is wanting to contrast those who are truly born again with those who are just simply religious. And what's the example he gives? He gives the example of land, which I think is very fitting when we think about the parables of Jesus. Remember the parables of the sower with the seed and how some seed falls on various types of soil. We called last week faulty faith. I want to call this week good soil. How do you know that you are good soil? And do you remember what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 13, in Mark chapter 4, and Luke chapter 8? Those are the Gospels with the parable of the seeds. And Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven can be like a man who went about scattering seed. And one, type, one seed falls on one type of soil, which is called the wayside soil. Another seed falls on a soil. Jesus called it stony or rocky soil. Another another type that the seed falls upon would be, Jesus called it thorny soil. And then the last soil it falls on, Jesus called good soil. And Jesus gives the interpretation of the parable later on in chapter 13. And he explains How the seed of God's word does not take root in every single heart. Let me tell you something, my friend. If you're just one foot in the things of God and one foot in the things of the world, you should tremble at Matthew chapter 13. Because it may be that the seed of God's word has never taken root within your own heart. And it may be that you are the audience that Hebrews 6 verse 8 is speaking of. I want us to approach this text today again with an, with, with an attitude, with a perception that I am going to view, I'm going to inspect my own faith, I'm going to inspect my own life to see am I genuine and am I authentic or am I simply religious? Am I simply playing games? And then, brothers and sisters, once we get past this great test of Hebrews chapter 6, then we're going to anchor in. Then we're going to settle in. And then we're going to show the amazing And the tremendous and the absolute unbelievable assurance of salvation that God longs for each of us to have. But first we must inspect. So get this image in your mind. He compares our lives to the ground of the earth. He compares people to land. And what does he say? The rain. The ground that drinks in the rain that so often falls on it. Do you know what the rain symbolizes? If you're gonna take notes, note these two scriptures because I find them absolutely fascinating. Write down Deuteronomy 32, verse 2. God calls his teachings under the Mosaic law, God calls his laws and his statutes, God calls his ways. God calls the scriptures rain like fresh dew upon the blades of grass and like wonderful downpours of rain. That's what the teaching of God's word is like. Amen. And that's why so many of us, we we are in this world. And and, and let me tell you something. Will the world not take your peace? Will the world not try to steal your joy? Will the world not come and try to absolutely rob you of the things of God? And I don't know about you, but by the time I come in here on Tuesday night prayer or I come in here on Sunday morning, I am ready for the rain. I am ready for the refreshment of God's word all over my soul. Amen. They were singing, uh, worthy of it all. And I was just telling the Lord, I said, God, don't let me rush this. Let me just enjoy you and enjoy your presence. And I tell you, the greatest transformation that ever came into my life. Say amen if you're with me right now. The greatest transformation that ever came into my life is when I moved my worship from just Sunday to every morning of the week. And do you know what I discovered? Oh, what a discovery. Did you know that a sheep's little body, you know, you you take all the wool off a sheep, they ain't much there. And did you know that a sheep's little body is made up mostly of water and they have to have a lot of water and do you know where sheep get most of their water from the morning dew that fresh dew on the blades of grass and do you know what the lord taught me church sundays aren't enough tuesdays aren't enough i need more word I need more Holy Spirit. I need more prayer. And do you know where I get the greatest intake of the word of God? I get what I call my morning dew when I get up early with the Lord. It's the sweetest time of my day is when I'm alone with God. I want you to write this first down. Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. This became my favorite scripture this summer. Because this summer we had quite a number of morning rains. And I would get up with the Lord, and I go into my room where I do my quiet time and do my study, and I would open my window. And that rain would just be falling. And I'd love to just sit and drink my coffee. That costs way too much money, but that's okay. It's a good investment. It's two and a half times the caffeine. Hallelujah. And I'll drink my coffee. And I would listen to the rain, and this scripture would just repeat in my soul. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. That when the rain and the snow fall from heaven, it does not return again, but it accomplishes all the purposes of God. And you know what God says in verse 11? All of his word he sends it forth just like the rain to accomplish all of God's purposes and it will not return void. Amen? Amen. (laughs) And I would listen to the rain fall and I would say, oh God, let your word, let it stand in my life, let it soak into my life, let it soak into my church, let it soak into my ministry, let it soak into my marriage and my children and let it accomplish, let it produce All that you intend. What a sweet time those moments are with the Lord. The next time that you get called in a rainstorm, don't complain about it. Relish in Isaiah 55 10 and 11. Now, here's my point back to the text. For the land that drunk the rain, what rain? What's the Holy Spirit indicating? What's He saying? He's saying the word of God, the life that is around the word, the life that is right now in this congregation right now, the life that's listening online right now, and you are drinking and you are receiving the teaching of the word of God. Friends, it's the scriptures. Do you see the beautiful imagery that the Holy Spirit is giving us? The land that drunk the rain which, and I love this, that often, oh, I love that word, falls on it. <clears throat> See, again, church, I don't need it from Sunday to Sunday. I need it every single day of the week. That often falls. In Israel, their rainy seasons are March and October. Oh, but they receive many, many, many other rains. Do you receive the rain from God often? And see, I believe this is also a word of accountability to us. I want you to link verse number 7. The rain which so often falls. The book of Jeremiah, before I say that, link verse 7 to verse 3. Go back and look at verse 3. Remember what the point of chapter 6 is. We're going to leave the ABCs of faith. Remember that? The elementary doctrines of Christ, the ABCs. We're going to leave those, and what are we going to do? What's the text say? We're gonna, Maturity. We're going to go on. We're going to press on to spiritual maturity. But then what does verse 3 say? This we will do what? if God permits. I want you to link that phrase, if God permits. And I want you to link it. You'll have to Google because I can't remember the reference. Will you forgive me because I can't remember the reference? It's in the book of Jeremiah. As a matter of fact, you can Google it right now if you like. It says that rain only comes From the Lord God. It don't come from any of the idol. It don't come from any of the pagan God. Rain comes only from the Lord. Remember, God created the heavens and the earth, but then later on in Genesis, what does it say? Then the Lord God caused it to rain upon the earth. Rain comes no other place than from the storehouse of heaven. God Creates the rain. And the scriptures teach God can withhold it if he chooses. And let me tell you what would get people right with God real fast is if God withholds rain. Gets people's attention. Now what is the point? Now let's speak in spiritual matters. It is an arrogant thing if your attitude is Well, I'll grow spiritually when I'm ready to grow spiritually. I'll fellowship with believers when I feel like it. And when my schedule slows down and when I get some other priorities done and when I get in a place in life where I feel like I need to be and when I've done all of my hard work and when I've done everything that I feel like I need to do and I slow down, then I'll get serious about spiritual matters. Oh, no, my friend. Verse 3, if God permits. Who causes the rain? The Lord God Almighty. It is arrogant to go, "I'll grow spiritually when I'm ready, maybe not, if God permits." Why? Because what falls upon the land? The rain which God provides. Are you with me on this today? The land which drunk the rain that falls, that often falls on it. And then, no, now let's get into our contrast here. So the land receives the exact same rain. It doesn't, it's not a different rain for the produce and a different land for the thorns and th- or a different rain for the thorns and thistles. It's the same land on both types of ground, but far different results. Now let's begin our contrast. I want you to write this down. I want you to note the word Produces in verse 7. And then I want you to note the word bears in verse 8. It is two different words, two different ideas. Then I want you to contrast verse 7. It is speaking of good land that produces what? Vegetation. It produces a crop, a life-giving crop. But now the land that bears Thorns and thistles does not produce any life-giving crop. It's simply weeds. It's simply brush. It's thorns and thistles. There's no seed within it that gives life. God gets glory out of our story. And you know, God's given me a platform for sharing my story of blindness and how I went completely blind in 2018. But we want to hear your story of what God has done or what God is currently doing. Go right now to AwakenedToGrace.com and right at the top of the homepage, tell us your story today.